there's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome, welcome, welcome to F1 with DRS. I'm joined by Charlie, Mad, and Jethro to discuss the incredible Jetta Grand Prix. It is velvet. Go ahead and feel. Oh, and stretchy. Oh, stretchy. Yeah, yeah. Look at this. Feels so sexy. You need to not. You need to go. Those are what you like to call dick pants too. What are they? Dick pants. Dick pants, because yeah. you can see the dick. Yeah. yeah. If I were to become aroused in this jumper, um, <laughs> everyone would know my religion. Um, Jethro, you're flying home to England? I was, but um, I've had flight issues, Dax, so I'm flying home tomorrow now. I've been on the phone all morning, shouting, trying oh. to be reasonable, but mostly shouting at people. And it never crossed your mind to call us and say we could start later now? <laughs> I literally, I literally <laughs> arrived. Bastard. I was on the phone until 10 minutes before I left the other place. And then I was so irate that your, um, yeah, your morning schedule did not occur to me at that point. I've got a stranger. I've got one of the workers building the grudge, driving my children to school so that I could accommodate your flight schedule that no longer exists. So, Oh, I apologize. I'm, yeah. I hope they're safe. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely one of the workers I've seen more than three times, so I feel kind of confident. Okay. Well, he's showed up a couple of times. I so. took a picture of his license plate before he left the driveway. Sunday, we had the big Grand Prix, but also I just want to throw out there that it was also the LA Marathon, which is a, quite an experience oh. if you live in the city to try to get anywhere because it just really serpentines through everywhere you ever want to go. And of course, it jogged my memory. And I think it's worth telling the story that Charlie, what year, Charlie? It must have been 18 and 19. How long before the 2018 LA Marathon did you decide, I'm going to compete in this thing? It was about uh, three months and a, a member of my gym, her dad signed up and wasn't going to do it. And she was a runner. She's like, would you want to do the marathon? And I'm like, yeah, I guess so. Uh, I can be Antonio Ocampo for the day. So I committed to it, got the bib. Mm. And by commit, I just meant decided I was going to do it. I think that's the most important part. Yeah, not committed in that you took on the training schedule Ew. that is recommended for marathoners. Right. But Jethro, um, Charlie did virtually zero road work, no training whatsoever. I did do a mile to see what my pace, what like a nine minute felt like. <laughs> one did a mile. mile. Yeah. <laughs> he did one mile. <laughs> and then he got out there early one Sunday morning yep. and and tell us how it went. Uh, well, I was a little hungover, which was maybe helped, maybe hurt. I don't know. But I uh, I felt great and it's, it's early and I snuck my way to the front with everyone sprinting the whole mm. thing. <laughs> so in the beginning, I felt like a million bucks. I was racing with the best of them, running. <laughs> and I was at like seven minute miles cruising. <laughs> and then I was like, well, I guess I should slow down, but I feel good. I'll just wait till I need to. And then it was far too late. Well, how many miles before I mean, you hit the wall, basically? I was dead at halfway. The, the thought that I was halfway done was impossible. Was just <laughs> impossible. And then you started drinking at some point during the That was the next right? one. Oh, the second uh, one. Okay. The second one, I didn't change my, my entry approach. I still, no training, but I knew I had to pace it. And then there's people that like watch along the way 
And so they brought some beers and throw you a beer while you're running. And that one was a lot better because I started at my nine minute pace the whole time. Okay. And you did quite a bit of walking on that one. So what I did is I, they have a mile marker and a timer every mile. So I knew I wanted to be at nine minutes. So I'd run. And when I could see it, if I was too fast, I'd just walk till I got to nine minutes and I'd pace it. So it was a little run walk pretty much every mile. Okay, and that's when you would sneak your beers in on that walk portion? Yeah. yeah. Okay. How many do you think you put back during the race? Maybe three. Okay, that's that's, that's perfect, pretty, it yeah. sounds like. Yeah. I, I, you made it to the end on that one. Both of them. Yeah, he finished, finished both. Oh, both. Oh, yeah. He I'm finished not, both. Wow, that's impressive. I, I'm not a quitter. I lived in East London when I was at university, so the London Marathon came past where we lived all the time and there was a pub very near us in Docklands that we used to go and it was great eight in the morning you get a beer and then the the people start running past but several of my friends did it and one of my friends took your approach (laughs) and his famous quote before starting was don't worry guys my body will adapt on the day (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think that was uh, charlie's mono he he really felt like he was a fairly fit guy but he felt like his body was going to adapt to running a marathon on the day with zero training this is very touchy to bring up but it has to be stated um charlie is in month six of recovering from a torn achilles that happened out of absolutely nowhere, sitting on the sidelines of his kids. Cheering. Yeah. Football game. Yeah. So I don't know, Jethro, do you think the two marathons without any training might be in the recipe for the snapped <laughs> Achilles? It's, it's possible. I mean, maybe it's just a coincidence. I'm not a doctor, but I certainly, <laughs> I would circle that in the history of my patient yeah. when I was learning. Okay, so we had the race on Sunday. It was, I would say, a mixed bag of boring and exciting. I actually, do you know what? I enjoyed it. It sort of played out as we thought, but we had a little um, cameo of Alonso getting off the line and leading the race for a little bit, which was great. We had some Hamilton moaning, which always adds to mm. any event. Um <laughs> But Perez, fair play to him. And and now there's like a nice little bit of beef between Perez and Verstappen oh, yeah. because Verstappen refused to slow down, which is what you'd expect of Verstappen. And Perez basically did play the same game. He knew Max wasn't slowing down, so he just kept going. And they were they were flying out the front and he he managed to keep that gap the same. So I thought Perez did a really good job. He did. I was I was making a case all weekend leading up to the race. Mind you, I got to state it for the record. I fucking love Checo. I think he's mm-hmm. the greatest. He's a warrior. He's loyal. He's wonderful. But it was occurring to me in P1, P2, P3, and Q1, the gap between them is so much larger than the gap between any other teammates in the sport. It was unavoidable. Every practice, Max was finishing 0.48, 0.49, a full half second ahead of him. And then in in Q1, he was a full half second ahead of him. So I love him. I'm so happy he got the victory. But I was prepared to make the case that this gap is worth talking about. And I think on any other team, this gap would be being talked about. And I've never been bullish that Ricardo might get to drive again. But I will say, after seeing that gap all weekend consistently, you know, I'm sure they're noticing it. If I, as a dipshit on my iPad on vacation watching it, picked it up. But then, as you say, Perez was a fucking gangster in the race. He, you know, Max, when when Max got within five seconds of him, we thought, oh, okay, well, at his pace, he's 12 laps away from passing him. And he just never really made up any ground. I think there should be a rule in F1 that we should discuss, which is if you are a team who comes out with a dominant car, you have to put a second driver in that car who is within like a tenth or two. Like it should be a rule. It's like their duty to the sport, you know. If you're going to dominate to the level that Red Bull are dominating, you shouldn't be allowed to have a driver who's half a second off. I Perez did a wicked job in the race, but he's he's always going to be half a second off. And it doesn't look like it's going to matter in this in this year. You know, he's always going to qualify second, maybe third. But yeah, I just feel like they're duty bound to make it more entertaining for us and that they have to. Maybe the rest of the grid can vote what driver gets in or they can put it to a fan vote or something. It would be great. There was an interview with Alonzo this weekend who actually made a joke to Checo that he's not driving the same car as 
Max. Oh. So I guess a lot of people maybe it obviously Red Bull's not saying it, but a lot of people are saying no, Max for sure just has a different car. The team naturally mobilize around the quick guy, don't they? So it it makes sense they throw their resource around the guy who's going to make the best job of it. So they would say it's equal equipment, but there's no question that if there's a little part that needs an upgrade or if they if they're going in a direction that suits one driver, it's always going to be um Verstappen and I think that's what happened last year they started off and Perez was actually quicker in a few rounds because he likes the car to have a little bit more um stability at the rear he likes a little bit of understeer and yeah. more stability at the rear whereas Max likes this crazy oversteery car and that's what they've gradually their philosophy has changed to suit to suit Max basically and that's that's just going to carry on so I reckon they've got the same car but it's built for it's built for Max it's not built for Checo Okay, a couple things. Mercedes, five and seven in Bahrain, now four and five in Jeddah. We kind of, you know, I at least questioned out loud. They they could be better. They, they on paper should be better at this track. They did pretty well. Yeah, I mean, they're sitting second. I don't think, uh, I think the, that's the battle now. No one's going to touch Red Bull, so. I feel like the head's dropped though, don't you? That like Lewis is just like right, yeah. he's down. You yeah. know, I I know. It, like I said last time, I mean, in positions they're not far off, but in time it's like a lifetime, really. And and they've had their pants pulled down by Aston Martin. It's embarrassing. Yeah, like Aston Martin have come from basically nowhere. I know they were making progress last season, but they they finished what seventh in the championship, and now they legit have the second fastest car. And they're using Merck's wind tunnel, Merck's engine, gearbox, rear suspension. It's pretty embarrassing. Yeah, and then you've got Lewis pretty publicly laying some hints that he won't stick around, that he wants to win. But that argument and that shade gets less convincing as he's trailing his teammate. You know, if I'm Toto, I'm like, okay, go ahead. We'll keep with Russell. Yeah, and they in, in P2, they were interviewing Toto about that situation. He said he'll stick around, their family, they have all this trust, but he said they're in a valley of tears yes. at the moment. Yeah. Think how happy we will be when we leave this valley of tears. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he did say that he would leave, like he said, if two years they don't get the car for Lewis, he said he will support 100% Lewis going to another team. Yeah. Lewis doesn't have two years. That's yeah. the problem. If yeah. Lewis wants to go, he needs to go. And I agree that Rus Russell's doing a great job, but I think... What the pattern we saw last year was that once Lewis's head goes down, he has these like troughs where he's just, he can't get his head around it. He moans about the car. He doesn't want to be there. But as soon as he sort of kicked his head into gear last year, he suddenly was quite a long way ahead of Russell. So it'll be interesting to see if that happens again or whether Russell's genuinely getting on top of the car and getting quicker than Lewis. It's very reminiscent of last year when he wanted the to retire team. the car on yeah. the fourth lap he he, he he can get kind of defeated when he doesn't like the car it seems like and you know yeah. i imagine he'll crawl out of this like he did last year uh and and that's that was fun to watch you know yeah. i want him to beat russell very much i don't want the french boy king oh, to be yeah. the lead driver Rough. over there i want lewis yeah i just want to see all of them close like i i, I i'm not fully deflated because actually when i look i was looking at like lap 47 or something and the Red Bulls had not slowed down. They were going flat out because Verstappen wanted fastest lap and he wanted to chase Checo and Checo knew he was not going to give up. So he was flat out. And they were only, I think, instead of being like 50 seconds ahead, I wrote it down. They were like 18 seconds ahead of Alonso or something, which over the course of nearly the whole race, and they're clearly pushing flat out, did give me some hope that that, that can close up. That's true. But there was a safety car that ate up a good 20 seconds Right? So if you tack yeah. that on, I think they would have been up in the 40-second yeah. range. Okay. Okay, just kill all our hope. The best point you made is the uh, is the dueling teammates. I agree. They got to be within a, a point one. We got to see some race for first. So yeah. we need Leclerc as the second driver, probably. Or just, I mean, pl please put Norris out of his misery and put him in a oh different car. God. Like, seeing him scrapping at the last lap for oh. 16th was just, it just makes me want to cry. He could not get around sergeant i mean that no. was so rough to watch lap after lap and then piastri passed them 
for like 18th at the last at the very end it's rough there's a meme floating around of him i guess after the race he's on a phone call and he looks just devastated and then they're putting in the headline norris is calling daniel ricardo's lawyer to be like how'd you get out of this what'd you do i need i need your lawyer right now how do i get paid the 35 and go somewhere else i thought if they'd have gone to his in car in the last lap he would have had his phone out texting his agent <laughs> yeah. as he's driving around okay i'm done Get me out of it. So we're at McLaren now. Piastri, a.k.a. the pastry, came in 15th, beating Lando in 17th. I mean, just abysmal. Just fucking abysmal. And again, <laughs> a bunch of pits they didn't need and wing problems. And it just... Yeah, they I were mean, both in the pit in the first couple laps. It's like... And do you watch their Instagram, their own feed, the team feed? I know this poor person who has to write these updates... Because everyone is just worse than the last. <laughs> and there's like, they, the only way they can be positive is they'll write, time to dig in. At the end, it's like, yeah, motherfuckers, you've been trying to dig in. <laughs> they'll put like a flex emoji on the end and you think, no, you chose the wrong one, <laughs> yeah, guys. Yeah. It, should be, it should be a crying face. or yeah. It's just, ah, it's sad. It's, it's a real shocker. Alpine was stunning at eight, nine. That was, uh, that was a very strong performance by Alpine, yep. I think. <laughs> Told you, neither come good. <laughs> You're two Frenchmen in the French brand. Are you gonna? Drive? Oh, yeah, you picked too fast of a car for our ch our tenth place challenge. That's for sure. I don't know. I was close for a while. Yeah, I, you but were. I think they are probably the. Yeah, they're gonna be always hovering around that that point. Yeah. They need an Alonso character to drag that up to yeah fifth or sixth or something. The other exciting thing, of course, was Alonso, massive drama at the end, stripped of his third place podium finish after being on the podium. And celebrating the champagne and everything, yes. interviews, you name it. Popping the cork, can't put the horses back in the barn. Champagne's <laughs> been showered, and they they take it away and they give Russell third and they put him in fourth. And then apparently the team had they appealed, they appealed, they appealed and the appeal was successful. Yeah, they sent a bunch of video evidence of other penalties like that that have happened and showed that. People did worse than that countless times. So how can they call it? Yeah, what I heard was the reason. So basically, he got he was in the wrong starting position at the start of the race. So he was too far to the left of his box, which meant he got a five-second penalty, which he had to serve in his first pit stop. So he had to go in, sit there for five seconds. They're not allowed to touch the car and then start the work, and then he can go. So the way it works, they had the rear jack touched the car basically which the stewards defined as work on the car but the way the cars come into the box the front jack has to touch the car because it effectively guides them into position so they used semantics basically within the rules because it says the jack is allowed to touch the car but it means the front jack and they said well it's not specified within the rules whether it's the front or the rear jack so the fact the rear jack was hitting is just a jack and so yeah. by the letter of the law they did not break a rule that's that's the way they spun it and it's fair enough like losing a podium because a rear jack is hitting the back of the car is ridiculous that's just seconds. so f1 it was a 10 second penalty that's yes, yes. Huge. i know yeah i mean i guess that's standard but yes when we all thought it was five and he beat it we had a little moment of relief uh, even George Russell, the French king, who's not the most gracious loser, he said yeah. it was a really harsh penalty. <laughs> yeah, he which, said he didn't deserve the podium, but he'll take yeah. it. And then the other thing I heard, Jethro, that sounds more legit what you just said, but also the fact that they had not warned the team for 35 laps. They had 35 laps to let the team know they were going to get that 10-second penalty and never told them, so they couldn't adjust in any way. I heard that was another Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah. That, yeah, I think that's also out of order because they might have been able to go even quicker, you know? To, to stay ahead so yeah that that sounds fair but it's just typical f1 they they have a great story in alonso doing his thing you know getting into the lead serving a penalty still coming onto the podium hundred and yeah 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 and then Century they club. find a way to ruin it for everyone yep. it's like they can't help themselves how can we make this more confusing for people who are casual fans and yeah. more annoying the FIA did say that they have a sports advisory committee meeting on the 23rd of March. So they're going to address this. So hopefully this specific incident just doesn't happen again. And they have finally a clear rule. Well, I can't wait happen. to read the me the minutes from that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can't so, wait. So, uh, that would be another great story. Despite <laughs> Sit down so with your weird, tissues and your lubricant. Yeah, like Drive to Survive has shown what 
turns people on about Formula One, and yet the governing body cannot help themselves but to, to have these ridiculous meetings and investigations about everything. It's nuts. The other thing that's worth noting from the race, again, and, and he's probably really a sweet guy, but I'm gunning for him just out of protection of uh, Yuki. The lead driver, DeVries, finished 14th, whereas Yuki Sonoda was 11th, the second driver. Just enjoying watching the big serving of Crow that's coming his way. Yep, so can't, help, can't help but watch him chow down on that yummy, yummy Crow. Well, we also had our most exciting moment with Yuki. Mm. Because of our bet. Yep. It really amplified that tenth place race. We and it were came following out of the end, <laughs> and it was, yeah, it was like three three laps to go, maybe. Yeah, somewhere around three oh. to five. Yuki was in that tenth spot. Matt had his win. I have mm. never heard Charlie or Dax cheer louder in for any F one race <laughs> for Kevin Magnuson. Kevin Magnuson, like, first time cheering for Matt. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and I reacted the exact same as Yuki. He was like. Fuck, 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 And I, we just shared that moment together. It was uh, magical. Magnus is my new favorite driver. Yeah. <laughs> I had to look up his For name again, figure out who seconds. it was. But yeah, last week you were afraid to bet on the Haas, and I have a feeling I know who you're betting on this week. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's my man now. That was pure excitement right there. We were all pretty close, though. Well, it wasn't Albon at one point before the disaster struck. Everyone yeah. was nestled around that 10th place. I don't yeah. know that Lando ever got no. above. And he was oh, the no, highest Lando. vote on the Instagram poll, too. Yeah. And he, yeah. I thought he was going to be way too high. And turns out he's not. <laughs> yeah, you were really worried yeah. he's going to end up in six or seven. Yeah. No, it became painfully clear right out of the gates. Like, okay, good. So Lando's not an issue. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. I was like, this is Yuki, is it? This is a problem. Ogon's too fast today. So to me, it was between Albon and Yuki. And Albon was climbing and then just DNF. I'm going to say, I think Alonso will win a race this year. Yeah, I, I think it's going to happen because you can't, Red Bull can't win 23 or whatever it is. And, and the car had its problem, you know, and then Max was complaining again about the drive shafts that had already been replaced, uh, which is why he started 15th, mm -hmm. didn't he? Because of that um, problem. So I think Alonso's best place to to take advantage of that. The problem is he's just like a little he's never been like Mr. Saturday. He's not the qualifying king. Do you know what I mean? He's the he's the killer on Sunday. But he need because of the the pace of that Red Bull, he needs to qualify ahead of Checo and hope that Max have a problem sometimes. So that's there needs to be a slightly freak Saturday. But I, I think he's gonna win one. I think a sprint weekend could really favor sure. him. I think that's one we could see. If he if he wins a sprint and then he is on a track that's hard to pass on, I think we could see it because he's a yeah. he's hard to pass. I think Red Bull's taking all twenty three. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're. I mean, the fact that Max was out of this one. Mm -hmm. I mean, from the the start, and Checo still oh, blew everyone away. One more safety car, and Max is winning that race. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, but I also and there think was a safety car ready to bunch him up to give Alonso. He neutralized that penalty. It just didn't matter. But Checo and Max are gonna take each other out in one race of the season. Like Checo's gonna be told to let Max through, and Checo's just gonna say, "Fuck this! I'm so sick and tired of this." Like if you guys saw, did you guys see the videos of Max's dad? Oh, I was gonna say yes. I think that's the oh most important my. thing to talk about. Uh, the biggest thing to come out of the race. Did you watch that, Jethro? Um, I didn't see that. I've I've seen the upset, wow. but I didn't see um, his Yoss's reaction. What did he actually do? Okay, so Checo leaves the car. He goes over to the barriers where the whole team is, and of course, Yoss is right in the center of everybody. And and Checo's walking down the line of people, and everyone's going crazy. They're high fiving him. They're hugging him. He he crosses Yost, and Yost won't even look him in the face, much less extend a hand, pat him on the shoulder. Or Nothing. change his expression that was just neutral. And then uncomfortably for Yost, who's picked this lane, uh, Checo decides to hug the guy directly next to him. So now there's a big, long embrace going on next to him. Everyone, of course, is looking at this wonderful sight. And Yost is looking off to the right. He will not acknowledge what is happening. It is... It is the sorest loss I've ever seen. Yep. It's crazy. Yep. And the last time it's I ridiculous. think, uh, the last time Checo's dad gave Max a huge hug after the race. And then yeah. there's a very polarizing difference between the two. Yeah. And the stuff that Max was saying after the race, like, you know, it was a, it was very Max statement. He said, I'm not happy. I'm not here to come in second. Like he was so adamant. 
He yeah. showed almost no joy for Checo winning whatsoever, which is very Max. Yeah, he's a prick, but I will say, I didn't, <laughs> I can't understand Checo being so shocked and or annoyed that Max had gone for fastest lap. I just don't, I don't know why that was such a shocker to him. I guess he was trying to figure out whether the team had fucked him or not, mm -hmm. telling him to slow down and then having Max go for the fastest lap, but that, that wasn't happening as we all know from the radio communication. So yeah. like, of course, Checo, you're shocked Max went for fastest lap? Of course he did. Yeah. Yeah. I think he was annoyed that they didn't tell him to hold station. Cause I guess in his brain, he's thinking, well, if I was in second, you know, the radio call is coming in like literally halfway through the race. Okay. Check out whole position. Yeah. And Max obviously won't accept that. And it's just, it is definitely double standards there. So I can see him being upset, but yeah, I mean, Max is not gonna, he's not gonna shy away from it. Well, and Max kind of did it on his own cause they. They touched in and he asked about fastest lap and they told Max we're not worried about it. But he kind of did it on his own. So Checo definitely didn't get fucked by the, the you know, the team. And yes. It was, if it was a Max decision. If he goes back and listens, he'll yeah. realize there was not a uh, conspiracy no. afoot. Yeah. Max is just being Max. Yeah. Yeah. And also in the little <laughs> winner's room where they sit before the thing, they each have their chair before the trophy ceremony. And Max is sitting in the first place chair. I read someone wrote um, old habits diary. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> as, it's like the first, second, third, and Max just popped himself right on down. Muscle right memory. Yeah. He's never sat in those other chairs. He didn't even know he they were know there. He doesn't know they were there, yeah. <laughs> okay, we're going to do a couple fun questions, and I'm going to start with Charlie. What question from our lovely listeners do you want to address today this is from amy durbin can you please explain drs to me like i'm a five-year-old mm. i have a five-year-old so we'll give this a round <laughs> you're pretty well versed I'm, I'm well versed uh well first drs dax randall shepherd yes obviously obviously number one also drag reduction system so each of these cars has a rear wing and uh like a spoiler if you're familiar with that but this big rear wing that's a flat sheet of metal and when DRS is activated, the drivers can click a button and an actuator will open the middle of that wing to allow all the air to pass through and reduce the drag and increase the speed. And so it's just, it was introduced to create more race action, more opportunities to pass, allow these cars to go faster. But a couple of the rules with the DRS system, there's certain zones that you can use it on the track. Some have one DRS zone, some have two. This last race had three. And the other rule is that you have to be within one second of the car in front of you in order to use DRS. So there's sensors on the track and there's certain DRS detection points. And if they deem that you're within one second, you can flip the switch and click on that DRS and gain some more speed. And in fact, I think yesterday they said it was like 17 miles an on hour. On the Red Bull. On the Red Bull got 17 miles huge. an hour faster. Yeah, the Mercedes was only like seven yeah. miles faster, but... To me, that said, like, oh, the Red Bull is a rocket ship and has an enormous amount of downforce. Yeah. And when they yeah. let go of that downforce, that thing. And it's efficient. They don't have the drag as well. But I, I would say that it's too powerful. I was reading a little about, like, the history. And when it was first introduced, there was all the, the dirty air issue, which is the car, the air coming off the car in front kind of screws up the car in back. But now with the new car designs, they don't have that issue anymore. So it just creates a bigger gap because cars can follow closer anyway and then they get drs and boom it's just they're flying by you don't like it jethro i like it um the idea when it came out so it came in like 2011 or something didn't it and i think the idea was you had to be so much quicker in the car behind in order to overtake legitimately it was something ridiculous like two seconds a lap so clearly there was an issue there but it was a lot of it was that dirty air issue the, the whole point of these new rules is to get rid of a lot of that dirty air. You'll never get rid of it completely, but to, to have more of a ground effect car, less dirty air. And now it ends up just being too easy to overtake. So I think they should tweak it. Maybe you get DRS in order to close up. So maybe you get it from when you're two and a half seconds behind until you're one second behind or something like mm. that. But then you don't get it because if you're half a second behind... It's done. There's no skill whatsoever. Literally, I could overtake Lewis Hamilton if I was half a second behind and clicked a button to give me 17 mile an hour or 10 mile an hour, whatever top speed. There's no skill. The whole point, that they just need to tailor it. They either need to make the, the zone shorter or tweak when you can use it. You don't see endless wheel-to-wheel -wheel battles because you drive past and it's done. Like, it's... Mm -hmm. it's it, uh, 
it just doesn't work. It's too, it's too powerful. It was ridiculous. They showed the overheads. Did you see them? Oh, like yeah. Like the, heli yeah. the helicopter shots. Again, uh, it was primarily the, the Red Bull. So that's what the problem is. That there's no consistency across the field where you could actually say, well, well let's shorten it by 100 meters, whatever. Because the Red Bull is coming out of a fucking slingshot when it drops the, the wing. Yet the Mercedes with DRS wasn't doing shit. It would like just keep pace. So it's like, it would be really hard to implement that rule that... Because we definitely, there's nothing worse than watching a driver that has more pace that can't pass. So we no one wants that. So yeah. it's, to me, it's a definitely a better alternative, even if it's flawed. It's true, but but also that is racing. Do you know what I mean? If if you were in a race, imagine you're in a race, one of your off-road races, and there's a guy behind you. Yeah. And you're, he's maybe a tiny bit quicker than you, but you can keep him behind by where you place your car and stuff is pretty annoying if all he has to do is press a button and he literally it's like getting a nitrous shot yeah. no no jethro it. a perfect i'm glad you brought in off-road racing because we have something called nerfing so if you're in front of somebody and they get up behind you they are allowed to hit ram you as hard as they can and that says get the fuck out of the way so they don't have drs but they're allowed to ram so sure <laughs> let's get rid of drs and then you can blast into the back of any one of these drivers to tell them to get out of your way well, so well you, matt take, would love take it your could you imagine he'd be there'd be there'd be no happier man on the grid than Matt. everyone have those rhubars from uh, australia rhubars in front of <laughs> last little bit on drs people ask how it was activated mm -hmm. and so when you you're within a second a light lights up on the on your steering wheel and then it's a button yeah and it turns off either by the button or when they stop accelerating or they start braking. It auto, auto closes. Yep, yep. Stay tuned for more F1 with DRS. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll. Less work, more clean. Terms apply. The Jeep Grand Cherokee 4xe plug-in hybrid is built for the best of both worlds. For the city buzz. For the call of the wild. For finding solitude. For sharing memories. <laughs> for day trips, and for far-roaming adventures. Because with gas and electric capability, the Jeep Grand Cherokee 4xe inspires you to explore more, to explore it all. Tap the banner to learn more. Jeep is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddleboards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Okay, Matt, you want to hit us with the question? All right. So the first question I'm going to address is by MJ Hop, And this says, what does it look like to move everything around the globe week after week? Very interested in the logistics of the back end. I got to say a lot of other people ask this question, but I'm just not giving you credit. There's right a lot now. of supply chain majors out there yes. in America these days. People so, that can't get their deliveries are wondering how these cars <laughs> yeah. are managing. So it's basically just the annoyance of sending a package. If you see DHL is all over all the banners when you're there, and that is a major shipping partner of F1. So they're in charge of shipping most of the stuff from the F1 teams. And they often use 6 747s to transport their goods, which is often 40 to 50 tons of equipment per team. But this is all broken up into two main categories. First of which, which is shipped by air. So this is considered critical items, which is the cars, spare parts, fuel, and all the IT computer accessories. The rest is often shipped by sea or freight vessels, being the non-critical items like garage tools and hospitality equipment. 
Each team has roughly five sets of the non-critical items. So they're always arriving at the race far in advance and is set up. And because that's taking a lot longer going with a sea vessel. For European races, it tends to be a lot easier as most teams' headquarters are in Europe. So this can also be shipped by roadway. But the FAA is always looking for, they're always posting things that they're trying to kind of minimize it. Like the motorhomes that they use, they're trying to step away from that so that that doesn't, they don't have to ship those from race to race and looking at ways to reduce emissions basically. And at no point discussing not going opposite end, opposite end, opposite end, opposite end, opposite (laughs) It, the, it doesn't make sense. The There's map. videos around that show on the map and it doesn't make any sense. Like yeah. you think, okay, maybe weather is a factor, but in most of them, it doesn't. The only thing I can break it down to is you don't want three back-to-back weekends in the U.S. because people aren't going to go to multiple races. They need to have a little yeah. bit of time in between because it's expensive Ooh. to go to an F1 race. So I they like need to save theory. up a bit of money. The logistics are incredible though, but I, yeah. I heard a tidbit when I was over in Sebring for the sports car race. I went to the Michelin tent, okay, so they supply, sep- there was loads of races on this weekend, and they supplied four or five of them. So it's a big deal, one of their biggest weekends of the year. I walked through their tent, there's so many tires, like 10 feet tall, endless rows. So I was chatting to this PR guy, I bumped into him, I was like, oh, how many tires did you bring then for this weekend? 17,000 slick tires, 17,000 tires for one race weekend. That was including wets actually, which they probably won't use them all, but there was 17,000. I could not believe it. It was genius. Really quick at 400 tire, that's $3.4 million worth of tires for the weekend. Sorry. And can you imagine shipping them? You know, whether they were made in France or whether there's, I'm not sure if there's a manufacturing facility in the States, but it's unbelievable. (laughs) When me and Charlie were watching practice, I got on a train where I was like, I want to buy a used F1 tire. That would be such a cool coffee table. Went down a rabbit hole. It's almost impossible. You can get vintage ones of specific racers that are like $10,000 to buy a tire. Because I'm like, these are, just like you said, thousands upon thousands of tires that are used. What happens with them? And Pirelli tires, actually, they all sent back to the factory because they analyze each and every tire. But they do actually break the tires down and use them as fuel for various companies. So they're you basically, they're all recycled. Recycled. Okay, the thing I wanted to talk about, and there's no specific question, but it was in many of the questions, and that's just um, maybe a very, very simple simple explanation of downforce. And I, um, I really sat and thought about the easiest way to explain this concept. And this is the analogy I would give. If you remember sitting on your desk in grade school, sitting at your desk, and you'd have that big rectangle eraser that was at oh, your yeah. disposal to clean up any mistakes. So if you imagine that 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 eraser is sitting on your desk and you take your finger and you push it laterally to the side, you would be able to slide it really, really easy because the only downforce on that that eraser is the weight of the eraser and you can move it quite easily. But if you could imagine putting a 600-pound weight on top of the eraser, now trying to push it left or right, you would not be able to move it. And that's virtually what's happening with the downforce. The cars only weigh whatever it is, 760 kilograms but it is putting thousands of pounds of downforce through all the aerodynamics, basically the reverse of a wing on an airplane. It's pushing down instead of up. And the most fascinating theoretical thing about these cars is that at like 50 miles an hour, they're creating more than 800 kilograms of downforce. So in fact, if if the road had gone upside down, these cars could drive completely upside down. At a very relatively low speed, they're creating that much downforce. They should do that, by the way. Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't do it at Vegas. It, it seems like the right crop free to do it. That, at, it? that would be the place. Get Pastrana, teach him how to drive one of these yeah. cars, put a Pastrana in a helmet, and have him drive this drive a lap upside down. <laughs> and all that downforce is coming from how the air comes off of the car. We get into how a wing works. That's also pretty fascinating. Uh, not agreed upon how it works. Okay. Yeah. I brought this up on the other show and I had physicists actually responding. Many agreed. Uh Some said that's, that's still not accepted. But in theory, if you look at the side of a wing, if you can imagine looking at the profile of a wing, the top has a curve. The bottom is straight. An airplane wing. Yeah. The top is curved and the bottom is flat. 
And so there's more area on the curved part because it's an arch. So as all the air that is bound together crosses the wing, the molecules above have to travel faster because they're going to meet up at the same point when they exit the wind, the wing. So as that, the molecules on top of it accelerate, it creates lift. That's what makes the air lighter is it moving faster to rejoin the air it's split from. Contested, but that's was my understanding yeah. of the wing. Yeah, that's why it's such a dark art. You know, that's why we talked about Adrian Newey. Like, there's still a lot of stuff they don't understand. It's, it really is a dark art. Yeah. Maybe it was a maybe it was an engineer from McLaren that got a new job at Dyson that created the Dyson Airwrap because that uses the Kawanda effect. Oh my God! Tell us about the wow. air going around a surface that causes something to wrap, which is the same way that kind of an airplane lifts. The air is moving quickly over a curved surface and allows that air that airplane to lift up. And the Dyson Airwrap, which is a phenomenon for curling hair, was the first product to have air go around a curved surface that curls the hair with airflow. Oh my God. Makes me want to fucking curl my bangs right now. <laughs> Maybe it was so it's no wonder you're a spokesperson. <laughs> I am running out. Okay. Let's do some pulp from the paddock. Man. So I got to talk about a little story from the past because last week we talked about, uh, you know, Lewis and other drivers pissing in the car. Mm -hmm. So there's another piss story that I found was really great because we talked about the rivalry between Max and Checo and there used to be another rivalry between Schumacher and Nico Rosberg. So what happened here is generally he would, Schumacher would really fuck with him a lot. Just before a qualifying, Schumacher would go and there was only one bathroom in the paddock. So he would go in there and lock himself in there. And he always would know Nico would need to take a piss just before he went out. And Nico went up and knocked on the door and he knew Schumacher was in there and he didn't answer the door. And Sch Schumacher knew he had three minutes from the bathroom to get into his car to not screw up the team in qualifying. So he would wait in there. Nico had a pee so bad that he peed in an oil jug right beside the bathroom. And then three minutes before, Schumacher would casually open the door, walk around, and then as soon as he got around the corner, he would sprint to his car to make it there in time. Oh, so just... That's, that's <laughs> yes. how the champions, they're cut from a different cloth. <laughs> you do, you know, are. you watch Last Dance and you see that Jordan, for all of his skills and all of his practice, he still would have all these weird little mental battles going on with opponents. He had to hate the people he was playing against. You realize like, oh, there's a whole like psychopathy level to competition also when we're talking about the max drama and you know max just doesn't seem to have a lot of compassion for his teammates and this competitive nature i really went down a deep dive of his father and there's some interesting things of, uh -oh. about his father uh -oh. so in 1998 a year after max was born his Makes dad it really quick make sure you're using the word allegedly a lot yes okay this <laughs> is <laughs> well, this first one is not allegedly. Oh, uh -oh. Hi, yes. He, him and his father were each given a five year suspended jail sentence for fracturing a man's skull. They beat, what? they beat an unarmed 45 year old victim who was part of a group who had been arguing with the Verstappens about who got to use a karting track. Whoa. So who? J Yoss and who? Yoss and his father. So Max, Grandpa this Max? was Max was Grandpa. only a year old at this point in time. Pop over Verstappen. So there was there was a settlement in court, and the year was a suspended sentence. And then I won't get into everything in detail, but it's all very alleged. But there was just a lot of physical things that went on with relationships. His father and he one time after a race. Um, him and Max got in a big argument cause he lost and on the way home, they were arguing in the car. So he pulled over to a gas station, let Max out and left him at the gas station and his mother had to pick him up later. So we can kind of see where Max has right. this allegedly, fear allegedly, of that allegedly, yeah. allegedly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Yost Verstappen is a very litigious man. I've heard <laughs> when he's not cracking skulls at go-kart racing. I want to get into go-kart racing with Lincoln just for the fights. Yes. I, you know what? I can see it happening. When, when yeah. we were, when we were going to, when we were doing go-karting uh, go at K1, it was one of the main rules if you go to their race nights that you cannot get in fights because that <laughs> I, that made me more interested in it because I was like, wow, so there's going to be a lot of fights at a go-karting track. So I guess... Never is the ego so empirically tested than on a go-kart track. You uh, get a time and yeah. that's the truth. And that's hard for a lot of guys to accept. <laughs> and also you're on a great lap and some idiot... I mean, I could see oh, you could just... Yeah. 
losing it. Yeah. Well, remember, we were out one time and I was screaming at the guys because they kept fucking spinning out and, yeah. and we couldn't get a, a hot lap in. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I started screaming on that oh, track. You fucking suck! And you only got 14 You fucking laps. suck! <laughs> yeah. We're all wearing helmets. Like, their best guess of who's screaming it. I mean, well, except kind yours of... is customized <laughs> yeah. and has your name on it. Yeah. <laughs> Some small posters from previous work I've done, just so everyone knows. Yeah. Face right on the side. All of his awards. Anywhere, Paul. I got one. I just wanted to play this great clip. Maybe everyone saw it. This is, if you guys know, if you watch the telecast, Martin Brundle, who was a Formula One driver, interviewing Christian Horner, who maybe they had some beef that I didn't know about that predates this. Maybe you're too old to have driven here, really. I am too old to have driven here, but uh, you would have liked it. Yeah. Shame you wasn't fast enough to get to Formula One. <laughs> 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 so clearly Horner's trying to fuck with Brundle. And as we know, Christian Horner was a race car driver. And Brundle just says, yes, yeah, shame you weren't fast enough to have gotten to F1. <laughs> Boom! Talk about a fucking mic drop. I've seen it before. And Brundle was was good. Like, he was a really good driver. He he was in some battle in, um, like, British Formula 3 with Senna back in the day. So ah. he was the I think he was close. I don't know if he beat him, but they were super close. So he was a proper driver. He had some bad luck and some bad career choices like some of these guys. But he, he wasn't like some tugger around the back. Brundle was properly quick proper guy doesn't deserve to be relegated to that turn nine they always go to brundle at some turn he can't hear what anyone's saying no. the cars are whipping past and he's trying to make a segment on a virtually nothing inevitably no one's on a fast lap when they go to him i've watched yeah. brundle get hung out to dry for 11 12 minutes <laughs> and he always corner. leaves and says i'm gonna go find another corner yes. like he's just wandering the track to find another turn somewhere yeah you think he would have like pick of the litter where he was stationed but yeah. no I guess it's not really gossip, but I did love post-race seeing Aston Martin's social media posts about oh, yeah. being demoted from the podium and then seeing Mercedes, all their posts about making it on the podium and it, just the quick flip and then it flipped right back. They <laughs> gave it, took it away, gave it back. But it was also amazing seeing like Alonzo when he found out that it was stripped. He was like, I was up there. I got to hold the trophy and celebrate. I don't care if I don't have it. And he it said was just, he drank the champagne. Yeah, he drank the champagne. Well, yeah. He was yeah, just that's the living thing. his what, life. What you've, you did it on the road and you've had the celebration. It, like, who cares? He's yeah. probably not in the title fight anyway. So, like, just enjoy it. Um, two things. One, what was really impressive is I saw there was a video of Checo and he was facing away from a screen holding a steering wheel. And in the screen behind him, it was start to finish of the track. And he memorized every single corner and you would just watch him and he would perfectly time when the corners has so he would have his acceleration memorized his braking memorized and through an entire lap he got every single corner perfectly right from just memory oh he was driving in his mind you're yeah saying. exactly oh and, and he was in sync with the real onboard camera yeah exactly it was it's interesting because lando's brother was racing all the time with lando but he wasn't as good as Lando. And he actually is in business and finding his kind of job is to find the perfect simulator. And that's what they say that Lando is so good is because he was kind of one of the first drivers to really focus in the off season. And in his junior years, he won almost, I think it was every single race when he came back after the winter break yeah. because of his time in the simulator. And I guess it would be memorizing the track and all that kind of stuff. I'm so sorry, but, you know, I was just racking my brain. I, f I had felt like I had been in a situation so similar to Alonzo, and I remembered that one time I made love to Scarlett Johansson, <laughs> and then afterwards her friend came up to me and said, I've got terrible news. She thought she was making love to Zach Braff. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I can live with that. Nah, I never made love to Scarlett Johansson, but I certainly wouldn't mind if someone allegedly, thought they, they had been with allegedly, Zach Braff. Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> um okay charlie do we have any over under any kind of polling that we're going to put up this week for people to keep yeah, them entertained got, in this long break i got two. Oh, wonderful first is mclaren is going to finish in the bottom five teams. uh in australia or uh, just constructors cup oh season we've seen two race mm -hmm. two races they've blown it on both are they going to get out of the the bottom five that one feels easy to me. No. No. They're going to finish this I season. Agree. Definitely. In the yeah. Seemed a little more up in the air after race, before race one and even after, but after this week, I think they're 
they'll be a below 500 club this they, year. You know, they say they've got a new car coming. So they they say they've got like a massive, massive change coming in Baku. So mm. it needs to be pretty good. Otherwise, they're going to have to just fire all their staff and start again, I think. Yeah. I'm going to vote for uh, they're going to be at the bottom. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Okay, consensus. And second is statement is Logan Sargent will be the top rookie. Oh, wow. It's looking like that. Wow. I like him. Mm. Well, of course we do. He's uh, he's an American from Florida. He's your boy. Yeah. The he sounds also exotic alligators. on the radio because I'm so used to hearing <laughs> other accents. I'm like, oh, who's this guy? He does. Oh, but this brings up just side note. Um, I've been wanting to bring this up for so long. I want to ask you guys if you have the same weird feeling I never am triggered when they'll talk about the Monaco driver or the Dutch driver, but whenever they say the Chinese driver or the Mexican driver, it sounds vaguely racist, which makes no sense because they're calling out everyone's nationality. But I got to say, every time I hear like the Mexican driver, you're, I'm like, ooh, ooh. gives me a little zap. And I was just wondering if that's kind of universal. Well, also, I noticed they refer, they say Chinese driver far more than his name. Yeah, every time. Yeah, poor uh, Zhou Guan Yu. Zhou Guan Yu. Zhou Guan Yu. But they never say Zhou Guan Yu. No. That's a hard name, so they just go Chinese yeah, driver. Yeah, I just... I and they're saying it. Dutch driver often enough that they can kind of deny it if there's ever an allegation. Yeah. yeah. But uh, does it sound weird to you, Jethro? You're from England. You don't have all the baggage we do. Obviously, generally and shamefully, when people point out someone's Mexican, it's rarely super positive. So I think we're just maybe scarred yeah, by that. We don't have that um, baggage. So that... I think Chinese sounds more, uh, sounds worse somehow. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. it sounds like they're describing like in, in alien terms or something. It's yes. like, like there's a the, real novelty. Really weird. Yeah. yeah. Like it's such a strange novelty, but yeah, I know what you mean, but they do, they endlessly refer to Leclerc as monogasque, don't they? I think they just That's like saying the, the word. Leclerc. Thanks for the saying monogasque. that. The monogasque. We were watching Leclerc. this weekend and I said, is that what you call someone from Monaco? Is that all they ever say? Say, say it again, I'm, I'm monogasque? Sure monogasque. Yeah, I think they just love the With word. With a G, and monogasque? With a G? Yeah. Monogasque. Monogasque. Wow. Where did that come from? Those lofty motherfuckers. They're they like... From Monaco to monogasque. I know. I think, yeah, I think they don't want to say Monaco because... Leclerc's popular, isn't he? But when you think about some little rich kid from Monaco who's had everything handed to him, it's less, it's somehow less, mm -hmm. less easy to support it. But if you say Monegasque, you're just like, what does that mean? Yeah, it sounds like a warrior. No, no idea yeah, what that means. Yeah. From yeah. the Basque country. There's mm. something, yeah, there's something real juicy about it. But you're right. Yeah. He's really just stroll, which no one loves. But, yeah. you know, yeah. he's a rich kid that grew up. He's rich. Plays piano kids, amazingly, yeah. though, too. Leclerc? Leclerc? Have you seen the videos? No. You've got to look it, it up after the this. Ivory? Oh, like I'm talking a 10 out of 10 piano player. Whoa. Like this? magical. Of not surprised. Who's can. this? Leclerc. Yeah, Leclerc. Yeah. yeah. No wonder he's wow. terrible in bed. He's yeah. doing every other thing. He's yeah. like, look, I played the piano for you. I won these races. I drive for Ferrari. I'm gorgeous. I know. That is enough for one man. I had a roommate in college <laughs> who was really good at guitar, and we had our beds in the same room, and every time I had a girl over to, like, hang out or to woo, mm -hmm. he would just subtly just break out his guitar and start playing amazingly. <laughs> to and steal I her from you? Or to, yeah, yeah. He th I think he thought he could play guitar, and that would just bring her over to his side of the bed. And I yeah. I really didn't like him. I was a drummer, so that ne didn't <laughs> yeah, work when I would fire up my drum kit <laughs> when Aaron Weekly was trying to <laughs> fuck somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Charlie, were those the two? Those were the two. Okay, wonderful. Um, and then we'll just check in quickly with the fact that we got what we hoped for. There will be a carryover mm. to the Australian Grand Prix. Uh, next, next race, we will pick 10 again, and that pot will have grown to 800. So we're a 10th of the way to a very low miles, beautifully one owner Honda Civic. Yeah. can't wait for that. <laughs> and I guess we should just listen to Toto before we go out, uh, because. Even though this is a difficult spell, but so nice it will be when we, when we come out of this, um, valley of tears. <laughs> so nice it'll be when we come out of this valley of tears. So, so nice it'll be. I want to remind everybody for the rest of the week, we'll talk to everybody next Thursday as we lead up to the Australian Grand Prix. But until then, push, 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 push. 